Welcome to Life Science Marketing Radio, the podcast where marketing leaders inside and outside the sciences share their creative ideas and practical approaches to increasing your marketing ROI. Here's your host, Chris Connor. Howdy folks, welcome back. And if this is your first visit to Life Science Marketing Radio, thanks for checking it out. Today we're going to discuss generative AI, which a lot of marketers are excited about, concerned about, or both. I think there are some positive uses for sure. I also think the value of real human insights will increase. If you like what you learn on this podcast, which is targeted to a fairly broad audience of life science marketers, think about what an interview with your executives and subject matter experts could bring to your customers. I'm talking about interviews and insights for your own channels. If that sounds interesting to you, there's a link to my calendar in the show notes. Now, let's dive in. All right, David Nathan is the owner of Scalar Marketing. I'm going to spell that because some scientists might misspell this. S-C-A-L-E-R. That's an agency for science and technology. David, welcome. Thank you, Chris. Nice to be here. Uh, so somehow we got connected on LinkedIn, and today we're going to talk about the uses of generative AI for marketing. So just by way of background, on uh, I recently did an episode on CC Life Science about ChatGPT. We'll talk about that a little bit today, but also about MidJourney, which is one of the generative image AIs. Um, yep. And you've dove into that, I would say reasonably i don't know if aggressively is enthusiastically enthusiastically yeah i would say yeah so tell us tell us what you got you interested in how a couple things you've been doing with it sure so i think what got me interested in the first place was just the power behind it it was this new thing that you know you see some of the images that are being created and you just kind of can't help just say wow this is this is interesting, and I would say a few months ago I had tried it out um, with a different platform, uh, fumbled around with it a little bit. I found it kind of complicated. It didn't really produce stuff that I wanted, and I just kind of ignored it again for a little while. Uh, and then I'm trying to remember the exact reason why, but we were we actually started playing around with a different one. Um, and I was on a call with my business partner, Jesse, and he was showing me like, Hey, look at, look at this thing. We can do this. And we were just trying to create, I think it was actually for our own site. We were, we were trying to generate like a, a really cool looking like digital mountain. Um, I'm not going to give too much away, but all of a sudden I started kind of seeing him do it. And I'm the kind of person where if once I've seen somebody else do something, I'm like, Oh, I can do that. But I, I often <laughs> need to see them do it first. And so I just started jumping in and I got really, really into it. Uh, and the more I got into it, the more I started thinking about ways that we could use this, right? And and then it raises all the questions of, well, is this a bad idea? Is, what are people going to think? Is this really practical? Uh, but that's how we got into it, uh, and then it just became an exploration. I think so. For me, I'm I'm not an artist myself. I like to think that I have a lot of creative ideas. Uh, I'll leave that up to other people, but. Uh, I'm always finding myself in a situation where 
I have ideas and then I have to try to translate those ideas into into like understandable language for designers to have them then create the ideas. So not only can I now create some things myself at a, at a pretty high level, you know, these are like, if, you know, you would have to be a really, really talented digital renderer to create some of these images. But I can also use that as a starting point to help me communicate my ideas to the artists now too, right? Let alone create my own stuff, but now it can also help me communicate or, or lay the groundwork for certain projects and what we're looking for without having to find some image on the internet that's almost close and then give that to the designer and hope they understand what I'm seeing or thinking. Right. So you just raised the point that um, is interesting. So people will know if they listen to me, and I'm going to tell you right now, I'm kind of like do it the old way, do it the hard way sort of guy, cautious about these things. And my wife was a graphic designer. And mm -hmm. she's an artist now. So she has the concerns you might expect about using an AI that was trained on other people's work. The one thing, though, that you just mentioned, and I saw, first of all, in one of your LinkedIn posts, you said in a reply to someone, like, now you can be artistic without having to be have the physical talent, for example, for painting. That's one thing. But with respect to designers, I remember one of my... <laughs> wife's complaints was clients saying to her can you make it more designy or something and the trouble communicating what they're looking for so here's yeah. sort of a positive use case in the fact that you can generate something and you say here's what i like about this thing and here's how i want it to be different right and give clear instruction to a designer rather than take their job yeah or or even take that back a step you know, in the same in the same light of trying to describe things to designers, that's one thing. Trying to describe it to the client to get them on board before you give it to the designer is another issue, right? Yes. And so, you know, we're talking sometimes about renderings that can cost thousands of dollars and the client really has to understand where this is going. And so if you're having a hard time communicating that to the designer whose world it is, you could imagine the client is gonna have a much harder time. So now we can we can pump some imagery out through AI, and it's still limited. I, I imagine it's going to get a lot better, but you can you can do a lot with it to help the client see where this could be going as well uh, that you couldn't do before, right? Right. So that that is interesting, and that's parallel to a lot of the arguments people make around ChatGPT is not necessarily using it to write content or copyright copywriting for marketing materials or whatever, but using it sort of as a brainstorming exercise, a starting point. And um, so that's one thing. So you've, like I said, you've dove into it a little bit. Um, you've created some interesting designs, your neon Monet that you put up on <laughs> yeah. LinkedIn. Um, and then certainly pushing the limits of what is uh, acceptable from a legal standpoint, <laughs> although it's not a direct copy of the painting and just making it neon it actually is not any one of his paintings but it's certainly based off of it you can see the resemblance yeah 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 and those are those are striking my general comment on that and many of the things i see and this is not a criticism of your artwork there no, is by that all means. the what i and maybe this is just what people because of the things they're trying they don't all look the same, but somehow they all give me the same feeling. Like, 
there's sort of a futuristic and maybe I, I, I can't describe it. But my thinking and concern is at some point when it's being generated at a ridiculously high rate because people can do it, is that will we all get numb to it and go, oh, yeah, well, that's that's a mid journey. You can tell just by the feel. Well, so it's interesting. Um, I was reading up on the differences between some of the platforms and the trend in a lot of the articles that I was reading tended to say that you could, you know, each, each platform has its lean, mm-hmm. right? And so I don't remember the specific names of the styles that it was recalling, but, you know, you could almost tell to a degree which platform it came from. Like one platform was much harder to use, but had a bit more flexibility in the types of artwork that it pumped out. One platform was a little bit easier to use, but tended to veer in a certain direction. That was mid-journey. It is a little bit easier to use, but that being said, you can you can also you can program it based on different styles itself, different types of photography. You know, it it, it will start pumping out whatever you say. And I also imagine, I mean, even just the difference between version one, they're now on version four, and you know, you put the same prompt in you because you can still tell it to use the old versions. You can prompt it mm. to use an older version. Just seeing the difference between what it used to pump out, even version three versus version four, is incredibly different. So I can only imagine it's going to keep getting better. Um, but yeah, will we become known to it? I mean, that's assuming everybody starts doing everything in one platform or just using AI in general. Like I don't. I think there will always be room for artists. You know, I don't. I don't think this is necessarily replacing artists. If anything, I think this is this is giving new people another canvas to work off of. And again, it's not just going to be, oh, can you create a beautiful picture now? It's going to be, can you create an immersive experience, right? And can you can you learn how to speak to the technology in a way that you can consistently produce a certain theme of art or use that art to create an experience that people can now be a part of and, and feel rather than just, you know, a picture hanging on a wall, right? Right. What about... Um... Yeah, I don't. I wouldn't argue with any of that. I mean, definitely there are going to be experiences. I guess on the growing numb side, I think like does this create sort of like a, a drug addiction or an addiction? My current addiction to Instagram Reels, where I'm just going more, 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 more. Oh, but those are also, the worst, but those are the like, worst. I mean, literally the most addictive thing to ever happen. <laughs> what What will it yeah. take like then to satisfy? Because maybe now everybody. I guess maybe they won't look the same, but that is somewhat of a concern. But where I was originally going is um, design. So there's art, there's creating beautiful images. Have you seen any evidence that it can be used to create a design? So I'm thinking about a brand for, let's say, a large company who have pretty reasonable branding guidelines, but also there is a talent to laying out text and artwork and how Mm -hmm. you treat those things. What do you know about its capabilities for that? So I think it's getting there. Um, I mean, people have mentioned this to me because we, we are a web design agency. And it's like, oh, yeah, keep keep feeding this AI because one day it's going to put you out of business. I'm like, if that happens, I guess we'll adapt. But in the meantime, I don't imagine a 500-person company is going to be able to just prompt a new website and have it churn out instantly through AI. I think there's just there's way more 
human interaction that's needed in order for that to happen, even if a lot of it could be done through AI, right? Right now, I mean, you could create a really beautiful uh, invitation template, right? So you could say wedding invitation with flowers, or we actually were playing around with it because our, our girls are having a birthday party coming up and we wanted to see, it was like a little spa night. So we're like, uh, you know, girls spa night birthday invitation. And we were kind of seeing what types of images came out. And so it's the, at least the image side of AI is really not good with text right now. So this is for logo designs as well. I mean, you can you can experiment with it and you know prompt it for different types of logos, but it's gonna have a really hard time giving you the exact letters or words that you're trying to see. But in terms of the style, um, exploring different ideas, you can certainly do that. Um, same thing with the invitations. You can't really say, this is the text for the invitation, now make me a beautiful invitation. But you can say, make me a beautiful invitation, it'll put some fake text on there and you can Photoshop that and put your own text on it. Um, but it can do that. I mean, you can even, you know, we were playing around with this just to explore different UX dashboards, right? So we prompted different UX dashboards with different functionality just to kind of get some inspiration for styles or layouts and things like that. Uh, it's actually pretty remarkable what it can do. Uh, it's not quite there yet where you would actually use that. And it's certainly not producing code. So you would still have to turn that into uh, something usable. Um, and it's also not... You know, you can't scroll down and see what the rest of the page looks like. You can only see what's on that computer screen that's been produced in the AI image, right? So there's, there's still a lot of limitations, but you can definitely get inspiration from a design standpoint as far as I'm yeah. concerned. Yeah, no, that, yeah. that makes sense in terms of, you know, invitations, as you say, which you could also just go to Canva and use somebody else's that already exists, which is great. I mean, that's yeah, tool I there's love. a lot of options, but I think um, with Canva, you can't say like, I want these types of elements in it and, you know, and, or like having, you know, maybe 3d objects or a certain illustration type of those specific, you know, like for that spawn, it's a little bit different. I mean, you, you have a bit more flexibility, but it's also not as practical still yes. with the AI. Yeah. Right. So, you know, Canva's and then I was thinking with a website, you know, there going back to experiences there's the journey through a website so yeah. you can make a maybe a beautiful page but it can it make a beautiful page with beautiful navigation and have everything make sense all the way down right and be consistent so one of the one of the challenges that that we're still having and i know there are ways to do this but you really got to start learning the different types of prompts and play around with it um, and this kind of goes back to that the storybook that that you had mentioned as well, and we can talk about it. But uh, be a, being able to produce multiple images that are exactly consistent to each other uh, can get very complicated the more complex the subject matter is, right? So if you create, let's say you were able to produce, you know, the the hero section of the above the fold section of a website, how do you then create additional pages following the exact style of that one image, right? And there are ways that you can control it. Um, and I've seen examples of people that were able to create consistent imagery, um, but that gets very challenging as well, right? And again, it's not, a, it's not really a usable website. It doesn't have the exact navigation items that you're looking for with the exact layout. It's more still just an inspiration on, you know, what could this look like or what types of imagery could we throw in there and have it look cool. 
um, it's not it's still not quite there as a as a usable user experience if that makes sense right and that makes sense because tell me if I'm wrong when you make something that's somewhat complicated and now you say make more of those in that style in a consistent way which variables am I allowed to change right and which ones do you want really want to stay well it's the gonna same? It's going to change whatever it wants. Exactly. Right? I mean, yeah. even one prompt could produce, I don't think it's infinite, but for all intents and purposes, an infinite amount of images, right? So if I put in a single prompt and I click go, it's going to shoot back, at least the way MidJourney works, it'll shoot back four images. And then I can either redo the whole thing and have it shoot back four different images based off of the exact same prompt, or I can have it do variations of one of those images or just make one of those images further further rendered and, and right. blow it up. So every single time you click redo, depending on the type of prompt, it could give you an entirely different image with, you know, completely, like you wouldn't even imagine that that was the same prompt. So you can control, there's, um, I'm blanking on the exact prompt, but it's like you can control the randomness of it. And so you can start to settle in on a specific number of random, randomness as you're doing it. And, and I believe that that's probably part of the way that you can start generating some of that consistency. Um, but it, it's still hard to control. And this is like, we're all, I think everybody right now is still trying to figure out how powerful is this? How do we gain control of it? Not from like a AI is taking over the world and we need to control it, but more, how can we, how can we use this more practically and efficiently? Yeah. So just for fun, Let's take a sort of a break. Tell us about the book you wrote in the carpool line. I just said that. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, this was fun. Basically, I've been I've been having fun with the image side with my kids. I've got, um, th- well, I've got five kids, but the older ones who are all turning eight in a couple of days, uh, we've been having a lot of fun with the image side. And so for a while, we were just producing like, you know, make uh, jungle cupcakes or I was like, who wants to make you know, cool cupcakes? Give me a theme. And if it was creative enough, I'd put it in there. And it actually, the mid-journey is amazing at pumping out incredibly realistic, beautifully designed cupcakes. It's just kind of fun. It's an easy thing to prompt. So you can have fun with it. So we've been doing that. And then they've been getting a little more creative with the types of imagery they want to see. And then I had just gotten access to ChatGPT. And so we were literally in the carpool line one day. I was dropping them off at school, and I was like, hey, girls, check this out. And we also drive another family to school, so they had two kids in this. So there's five kids, right, all under the age of eight, sitting in the car. And I'm like, watch this, guys. Uh, I'm going to ask AI, because they know now AI does whatever you want it to do. I'm going to have AI write a children's book. So the idea that popped into my head was a monster who loses its best friend um, and then finds, uh, like finds himself in nature. So it was something like that. And it literally just started typing. Like, I was like, right. I told chat GPT, I said, write a children's book about a monster who loses his best friend and finds himself in nature. And it just literally starts typing it out. And as it's typing, I'm reading to the kids and it was actually like, it sounded like a storybook. It had, it, it touched on exactly what I had said. It, it went through the emotions. Like you really felt like when he lost his friend, it, it felt sad and he goes into nature and the different things that he sees in nature and how he connects to it. And I'm just reading it and they're all sitting there on the edge of their seats listening to this story. Um, and I just, I was like very surprised. Maybe I would change one line if, you know, but for the most part, it was a perfectly good story. Um, completely based off of the theme that I had prompted. 
And then when I had gone home, I thought, why don't I just make the monster and see if I can come up with, you know, a monster that really fits the story. Um, and I, you know, a few, it took me a few prompts to kind of get there, a few variations. And I settled on something that I thought at least worked, you know, like I'm sure you could look at a different style or whatever, but I found the monster. And so I posted this on Facebook and everyone's like, oh, wow, I love him. And I want to see the, I want to see his best friend and everybody. So like, I also, I find the, the dragon best friend was a little harder to, uh, to create the right image. Cause it also had to match the, the style of the monster. Um, so now I have the monster and I have his best friend, the, the dragon. <laughs> and, uh, now the challenge is, and I've been playing around with it. It's just, I haven't, I haven't mastered this enough to do this, but where I could actually have those two exact characters interacting throughout a series of imagery, which would be pretty complicated to do. I don't know how to do that yet, but that would be the next step that you can start to see where the limitations come in and where you can spend a lot of time playing with it, which I know for better or worse, don't really have at the moment. Yes. Because I mean that goes back to sort of the consistency problem, right? How do you? Yeah, exactly. How do, does it even know which component of your entire image is the monster? So right? in theory, I mean in theory. Now, you know, there's also I saw recently there was a new prompt that I saw which you could seamlessly fuse two images, and I haven't played around with it, but I saw that and I was like, oh, I wonder if that is. But again. You have two characters, so now like you can, I can put both of those characters in there and tell it to create something. But what it does is it tends to, a, it's not an exact replica of either character. Sometimes it mixes the two characters together, or it creates like a little human person and something that I guess resembles a mixture of the two. It's still, it's really not there in terms of just easily being able to do that. Um, but yeah, does it know? I mean, I imagine it does if you can communicate with it properly and again, find the right level of randomness, you know, create the right, if you have a detailed enough description, you know, I think my descriptions were relatively basic and I was able to stumble on something that, that looked cute and fuzzy and, you know, was attractive in terms of a storybook. But I don't think I'm necessarily describing it enough where the AI is going to consistently produce the same thing. Right. I mean, you could test it a little bit and say, well, I don't know if you can say this or not. Remove the background from the monster. You give me this image without the background and only the monster. Yeah, I tried that basically. And it just the, the monster keeps coming back completely different. I haven't, yeah. I haven't quite... Yeah, so that quite controlled it. Enough. Sort of answers. So no one's making an animated movie entirely. I mean, I have seen animated AI generated things somehow. Yeah, there's some some way of producing a series of images and tying it together in After Effects. It's complicated still. Um, I mean, Mid Journey for sure. I'm not aware of an AI tool that is specifically just pumping out animation. Um, but again, this is even a storybook that's not animated, even just having the consistent imagery. Right. The one thing I saw that was really based off of consistent imagery, it was, um, he's a photographer or a designer. I think he might be a fashion designer um, based in Africa. And this was, I think this was an article on CNN or something. And he was really fascinated with this idea of like elderly fashion. And you don't really see senior citizens being represented in the world of fashion 
And so he was able to produce this series of artwork through AI that looked incredibly realistic that showed elderly African, they weren't African-American, I guess they were African elderly citizens walking down the, the, this very sleek looking runway in incredibly stylish, metallic, colorful clothing and had a whole series of images. So he, he managed to create a decent amount of consistency. He said he'd been playing around with it for, for quite a while um, once it came out and he had access to it, but it, it did show consistency. So there is a way to do it. it just takes nice. time to master. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this has been really fun. I mean, I learned a lot. I mean, already just, you know, I had some ideas around this, but the whole idea about you can get started, but then to me, the standout challenge of today is replicating whatever you make, you know, with slight modifications to create a consistent look. So, still great for inspiration, not there for execution how I would describe it. Yeah, I mean, in addition to the consistency, it's also, you know, how is this practical? At least from the image perspective. And even with our own, like, we're redoing our own website right now. And we're playing around, like, let's let's try this out. I mean, why not? Let's see, because if we can be on the cutting edge of this, and maybe that could be beneficial for our clients too. So we're playing with it. We are creating series of images and finding ways to like, enhance stock imagery and, and different things that we're doing. Um, the practicality is still a big question. Right? As it gets more powerful, I think that question will be answered. I do believe there's a ton of use for it. But I, I also think for right now, even just like this technology is not going away. Right. I think yeah. you were asking me, you know, am I am I an enthusiastic proponent of AI? I, I think so, because it's not going to go away. So you might as well pay attention to it. Right. I don't think refusing to use it is going to save the world. I think we have to understand it. And. And every technology evolves. I mean, photographers, I'm sure, weren't happy when digital cameras came out. I don't think painters were happy when when cameras came out, right? So yes. technology is constantly evolving, and this is clearly a new evolution in technology. And so the more we can play around with it, I think there's just fun you can have with it. There's fun ways to use it. There's ways to explore your own creative juices as well. Um, but there's definitely practical ways to use it. You just got to start playing around with it and, and start to understand it. And I think it's really powerful that way. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, the photography examples are valid. I watched, um, certainly, you know, painters had to think that photography would put them out of business. I read an article this morning from The Atlantic talking about certain things around AI and um, what technologies actually make changes, not just in how we do things, but really who can do them or whatever. That was interesting. And I watched mm -hmm. a video on YouTube from a photographer I follow who raises some of those same things about, um, he said in the old days, there was, I mean, he's in Fort Worth. And he said in Dallas, there were a number of agencies who did nothing but annual reports. And they would send photographers for oil companies across the world to photograph a new oil rig on the other side of the planet until stock photography came around. Is it, yeah, you want to buy this image for 60 anymore. bucks yeah. or send that guy to the Indian Ocean for 6,000? Well, we'll buy it for 60. But there's still people making a living as photographers. They do other Absolutely. things. Absolutely. Right? And it's, it's more about how you package that service now, right? Yeah. As opposed to just, oh, well, I have a camera and I can take photos and nobody else has a camera. Everybody has an iPhone now. That changes the game too, but you still have wedding photographers. You still have people who can create an experience through their art and through their the technology that they're using. 
it's just technology levels the playing field and it's up to us to figure out how we're going to now you know stand out on what for all intents and purposes is a level playing field right yeah with all my caution i realize yeah me shouting into the wind even if i wanted to isn't stopping the technology i'm still curious about it i do want to be thoughtful but um it's not up to me so and like i said i use it i mean to produce this podcast and and so on so yeah, I think we're all using it probably more than we even realize. Exactly. It's not like, it's not like this was just invented three months ago. It's <laughs> yeah. been it's been used for a while. It's just I actually saw one thing like why is it that this has taken off? Like this has been people have been using AI text for a long time. It is it was just packaged in a way that became so much more accessible and fun and easy to use. Exactly. Right? Yeah. And and that's just gonna start that's just gonna keep going too. It's gonna be more accessible, more fun and easy to use, more practical. So Yeah. All right, David Nathan, this has been a blast. Thank you so much for your time and uh yeah, appreciate it, Chris. Keep in Thank touch. You. I will put links to David's uh of course your website, your LinkedIn profile, and people can find your children's book illustration and the text it's on, it's on there i think it's on oh. linkedin and facebook so wherever yeah. you wherever you look for me you'll find so it. you look can follow the fuzzy that blue monster you can get a copy before it becomes famous children's <laughs> artist technically it's public public ip i think so i guess whoever wants to make the book go for it <laughs> all right try see if you can create the consistent imagery and let me know awesome i suspect many of you found that interesting It would be great if you'd share your thoughts in the comments on my Substack page. I think all of us would like to know how people are thinking about this. And if you like the podcast, you know what comes next. Please share it with exactly two of your colleagues. Thanks very much, and I'll be back soon with another episode.